Henshin a go-go, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Show. This is Cog here with my companions, Mr. Dotaku and the one and only Hipster Snack. And today's show we are covering is one that was one of Mr. Snack's choices because Dotaku was MIA in the last episode. It took him a good long time to get back from respawning to catch back up to us. But he is finally here. <laughs> yeah, Dr. West finally got back to me. I, I have been reanimated. Unfortunately, <laughs> Dr. West has yet to get back to COG, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we determined yesterday that Dr. West is responsible for your respawn COG, and he just hasn't gotten uh, to you yet. So, that would, that would make sense. The chronology of this isn't going to translate. <laughs> oh, but it's totally next week after the last time we did this. Oh, yes. Yes, totally next week. No, that's totally, we totally what our timetable looks like. And not like. like a month later. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyways, I think in order to give context, and also because this is like one of your favorite series, Snack, why don't we all pull up a chair and let Professor Snack explain to us a certain thing called Clover Studios, because I think that really will help set the context for Beautiful Joe. Okay. Imagine, if you can, a distant year. Distant year in the early 2000s. Capcom decided that, hey, you know what's great? Success and money. So, <laughs> they created Clover Studios. Clover Studios, you, whether you've heard of them or not, you've probably heard of some of the stuff that they're responsible for. They created Okami, they created Devil May Cry, they created God Hand, they also created PNO3, but we don't talk about that. And they also created the video games of Beautiful Joe, an action platformer 2.5D perspective action beat-em-up game using the setting of a man dragged into the world of movies and having his powers revolve around the same concept. It's very meta. Yeah. The games were a big commercial and critical success for Capcom, going on to create Beautiful Joe 2 and Beautiful Joe Red Hot Rumble, and there was also one on the DS. I almost forgot. Sadly, the promised third installment that both the mainline games promised us never came to fruition, because at some point Capcom decided, hey, you know what sucks? Critical acclaim. So they dissolved Clover. <laughs> Well, then. to be perfectly honest, the thing is, is that Clover Studios, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to cut in, Professor, but I mean, it also the fact that despite what Snek is also saying, 
it didn't achieve mega success. They wanted monster hunter money. They didn't want cult cult hits. And the problem is, is Clover Studios made really good games, but they basically were all cult hits. So that is the sad but true state of affairs. And most of what was once Clover Studio left to form what is now Platinum Games. So if you ever wonder why Devil May Cry and Bayonetta play the same thing, because the same people worked on it. It's literally the same producer and director and art team and everything. Last time we saw Beautiful Joe in a game was actually Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. Not long after the success of the first game and the second game was in development at the time, if I recall correctly, they announced a anime that would adapt the story of both games. And in American terms, in terms of 26 episodes, it's a two season long show. But we never got the second season because the ones who got the license to dub the show, Genion, sadly perished after the first season's completion. They're the ones who did the original, a.k.a. good, Neon Genesis Evangelion dub. They also did the infamous slash awesome Ghost Stories dub. So, yeah. Oh, I even I didn't know that latter one. Well, this is going to put into context when you call me a hater later, so. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, Mr. Jotaku has some thoughts on Beautiful Joe. No, it's okay. I will let I will let Snack gush, and then I will say my piece. I'm not going to be a hater, okay? No, he totally is. He's just waiting for it. <laughs> I have a lot of nostalgia about this series, and it is kind of sad that we haven't seen him for a while. The basic concept of the show follows pretty much beat for beat what the game does. A guy named Joe takes his girlfriend Sylvia out to see a movie of his favorite superhero, Captain Blue, whereupon the story suddenly changes, and no one really knows as to why, until the villainous Dark Sovereign of Jado, that's a J, people, Jado, reaches out and kidnaps Sylvia and defeats Captain Blue. In the darkest hour, Captain Blue summons a hero, and by here I mean the closest and only person in the theater, (laughs) and brings Joe into movie land, gives him a V-Watch and the power to transform and use the same abilities that Blue himself used in his prime. And thus the story begins. And he becomes a henshin transforming hero, beautiful Joe. That he does. So to start, I love the show a lot. I've even attempted to watch a bit of the Hong Kong sub that we got for season two. Good luck, because first off, finding it's near impossible. Second off, if you can find it, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense because the only subbing attempts are not exactly high quality. (laughs) That notwithstanding, we are covering only the first season, the the actual part that we got. So yes, Joe's been transported into movie land. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And I think the show overall, it's got a good pace in the beginning of the plot where we get introduced to our characters. We get introduced to Joe, you know, the, the first several episodes is all about Joe discovering, you know, where he is in movie land, what his powers do, how they work, trying to figure out where Sylvia has gone. And the show is very episodic. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a lot of contained stories moving from episode to episode. Once you get past the first five episodes, you could pretty much watch them in any order and still pretty much take away the same thing. Though it all does come to a head at the end of the season. 
Yes. Which is not the way the game is. The game is very, very tight, particularly the first one. It's very tight and very just. It's six levels long, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of the game, sitting down to play them with Mr. Snack. It's definitely a franchise I very much enjoy. The anime, I would say I have mixed feelings on. It has its weaknesses, but that that it does. But I really enjoy one of the best elements of this show, I think, really help carry you through despite the episodic nature of it, I think, is just the a lot of the self-aware sort of humor that the show has. The games definitely have a lot more obscure film jokes or like the movie buffs and things like that, that I notice in the games versus what you would get in the anime. There are certain episodes where it kind of pulls out, but yeah. Like how many kids are going to get a, a, some like it hot reference? I mean, I, really. yeah, I think probably the most obscure one that I noticed is the recurring joke where they have not Bruce Willis from Die Hard constantly trying to blow Joe up with bombs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not even doing it on purpose, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the most, most obscure one so the episode well we do get some get introduced to some new characters we have um blue junior who eventually shows up who is the effectively the disciple of captain blue he wants to be the next captain blue but meets beautiful joe and the two become partners in crime and we follow their oh you're not going to talk about the best character in red hot rumble who's also an anime original character, Sprocket. <laughs> she is basically, the game is actually a really good, dare I say it, is actually better than Smash Brothers. If you do one thing, you never touch Sprocket or Bloody Rachel because those two characters are <laughs> so much oh. better than everyone else. It is not even funny. But if you do that, it's pretty balanced. Yeah, Sprocket is our first, at least in the anime, our sort of middle management um, villain. Yep. Um, And she is leading our first crew of villains, which includes, let's see, Hulk Davidson, the big Triceratops-looking guy. We have Grand Bruce, who is like a shark man or man shark. It's not quite clear. And then we have (laughs) (laughs) Charles Uh, III and Fire Leo. Alistair. Oh, yes, and Alistair. Joe's rival. Who I really uh, like, Alistair. I, I um, have to say that the anime is much kinder and you can actually understand what these characters are saying. Yes, that is true. We had to, I remember we had to have the subtitles for the video game. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming, people. Get ready. <laughs> the taco explosion. In, in the game, most of them were just like completely incomprehensible. And the only one who spoke in a normal, non-digitized voice was Alistair. And honestly, Alistair was a little whiner baby in the games. They make him like a million times cooler for the sake of the anime. Yeah, he is much better in the anime. Snack. That was the joke. He was the Virgil of From Devil May Cry to Beautiful Joe's Dante. But unlike Virgil, where, you know, you are not powerful enough to challenge me. Eh, why did you beat me up? So, yeah, I mean, that was the joke. Whereas in the anime, we have him being much more kind of calm, and I he's got this sort of Sun Tzu sort of approach of, I must know my enemy, and he, he kind of just shows up and is observing Joe a lot. It just makes it harder for himself, because Joe is the traditional shonen idiot hero. Yes, that's true. He is very much that. 
he, he does the right thing when pressed and he won't ignore a bad situation, but it's clear that he's an idiot. He's easily tricked. He doesn't really focus very well. Easily tricked. Is that what, was that what you call it? Okay. <laughs> he gets tricked the same way, like three times. Like, whoa, guys, there's like a hamburger store. And they're like, I like totally like need like a hamburger. Oh, no, it's not a hamburger. (laughs) It's Jado. Oh, oh, oh. Blue Jr. plays the straight man frequently chastising Joe, even though he's like half Joe's age and basically being like, you're being an idiot. And Joe's basically just kind of shrugs it off because Joe refuses to learn his lessons. Now, see, I actually really like the reversal there, though, when in this Lagoon episode where, you know, Joe actually does kind of act like an adult and basically Blue Jr. gets more powerful than him, but through the power of a a giant temper tantrum, Joe actually kind of has to be the adult. And it was actually a cool reversal, and it it really did show that the two characters are actually friends. Yeah. But, yeah, it is kind of eyebrow-raising. It's like, he's like 10, and you're in your <laughs> mid-20s. Why is he the more mature one? Well, with such wonderful lines as, you know, some things in life go deeper than cheeseburgers, and... That beautiful is lies Joe. and slander. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beautiful is Joe. more important than cheeseburgers. <laughs> And then beautiful Joe, defender of cities and the people that live in those cities and their dogs and kitties and ticks and fleas, <laughs> even they got to live. I, lo- I love that line. I yes. don't care. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it, it's not the huge masterpiece that you remember from I'm, 2005. I've never called snack. it a masterpiece, my good detail. I don't know, man. Z- I, don't uh, know. I mean, says the one who watched half the series, but let's not split hairs over minor details. I watched the entire series 15 years ago. I, mean, <laughs> like, I was, I watched the entire series. I'm mostly series, giving you okay. static. We really like legit been busy. I- I've never claimed it's a masterpiece. It's an enjoyable action shonen series with lots of comedy it doesn't really ever take itself super seriously, but that's precisely what I'd want beautiful Joe to be. I would agree with you. I think it's fun. It's not perfect, but it's a it's a fun show. It's easy to watch with kids if people are interested. Joe is very much the quintessential like bro dude hero. Dude, like he's a dude bro. Yeah. No, he's a dude bro. That's what he is. That's he's exactly that. Dude, like, no way. Like, you're saying, like, he speaks, like, with a surfer, you know, lingo. Like, <laughs> I, I know, crazy. Chuck bra, right? no. <laughs> and, and the thing is, the voice actors are, are very clearly giving it their all. And there was a lot of sound direction that I know Ditaku didn't care for. I think he exaggerates it a little beyond what it actually is. But at the same time, I, I respect and understand where he's coming from because it is true. So why don't Ditaku get the rant out of your system? Let's cheeseburger this and have, you know, good criticism. Good. All right. Here we, here we go. All right. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I just want you all to know, I really do like the games. My main problem is the fact that basically the, as, as Cog said, the entire series is extremely episodic. So you take a game that's really tight, really really, really well polished and then just like, so like, hi, I'm like Joe and it's like, and I can't stop talking. Early aughts voice acting. I can never stay silent. 
this is Digimon Tamers levels of we can never actually pause. Okay, I think that's going too far. <laughs> then Joe oh. might not be able to talk about cheeseburgers or the fact that he loves his girlfriend so much, but he doesn't know anything about her. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, wow, okay. And so we have to constantly just have it's the three wacky bumbling villains and they never do anything right. And oh, Joe wins again. And it's like, okay. And I get five episodes of this. Okay. Blue Jr. actually, unlike what I thought, I actually have to say this. Blue Jr. is actually a really good addition to the series because Joe by himself is insufferable. He just is constantly talking, constantly making quips, and it just it's better when he actually has someone to bounce off of, even if it is a child sidekick. More part of that is because Blue Jr. doesn't act like the usual child sidekick character. Yeah, honestly, you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking about it. It's kind of like the Witchblade anime where the main heroine, Masane Amaha, actually, who is like 21 years old, and then she has her adopted daughter, Riku, who's like seven. And Riku actually is kind of a straight woman to her adopted mother. And yeah, it's unrealistic, but they kind of have the same dynamic between the two of them. I, yeah, they totally do. Which honestly, we do need to watch Witchblade because it's a, it's, that's a great series. That is and also, a fun one. I actually have not yes. seen it. You haven't seen the anime? Oh, dude. I have, dude. I have not oh, actually dude. nothing of Witchblade. Oh, I dude, actually have is. several Witchblade books. I actually quite enjoy Witchblade. Oh, dude, it is it is good. And I'm just going to tell you right there, if you do not have indoor rain towards the end, you have no soul, <laughs> okay? You have no heart. Even manly men will have indoor raining at the end. It, it is really, really sad and really touching, I'm just going to say. But no spoilers because we're not doing that one. So anyways, yeah, and it's just constant talking and just, I can only take so much bumbling. And it's just like, uh, I really wanted more. I really wanted more, okay? I wanted more obscure film jokes. I wanted more meta humor, like an actual series. The entire thing with the video games is the fact that they're like, hey, 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 we're in a movie. Hey, hey, hey. And they barely do anything with that. They barely have any shout outs to classic or well-known or even obscure films, it's just frustrating because I'm like, oh, this could have been so much better. And then I turn to to Snack and try and tell him this. And he's like, well, you just like don't understand it, man. <laughs> like, uh, oh, so I'm Joe, apparently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mr. Beautiful Snack. He he used to call himself that, by the way, and back in the day. And I, I understand. I mean, you For know, context, you, he's you, talking you, about a crudely drawn comic strip that no longer exists, but details. Because you burned it. It should have been kept in a museum don't with all what, the other dirty laundry. I don't know what happened to a lot of it, to be honest. That being said, I mean, it was all right. Honestly, I think that it probably should have, the entire series should have been 26 episodes. Uh, they could have cut down the five episodes where they're like, oh, we're going to slowly introduce every villain <laughs> very slowly. And they, they could have done so much more with it. Was it enjoyable? Yes. I honestly, though, also feel like, and, and I completely understand, early aughts voice acting is a different beast than the way it is now. 
Are there problems now? Yes. A lot of places are now trying to push agendas that are not in the original, you know, in original works. That, however, is a rant for another time. But during that time, especially with Genion, especially with especially with four kids in Saban, you will notice just characters do not shut up because for whatever reason, I guess they just went, oh, well, if they're not talking, then the children will literally fall asleep because of the Ritalin or something. It was weird back then. Okay. So is it the worst thing ever? No, I just, it kind of bewilders me on a certain level that Snack really, really held it so high. And I mean, I, I just, maybe it's just because I really like the games and I desperately wanted it to be better when I should have just expected it to be a very crude by the numbers series. Because I mean, let's be real. This is the same Capcom that okayed the Devil May Cry anime. So we don't talk about that either. <laughs> so there, I'm done. Said my piece. See, I'm not a hater. Okay. I said some nice things about it. I had fun. It was fun to like go back and watch it again. It's just, I am not nearly as in love with it as Snek is. This so. is just a matter of, you know, there's no accounting for taste regardless. And honestly, I think it's one of the more curious aspects. Like I, I just got done listening to our audio track from episode two. And I was like, wow, the three of us are just like fanboying as hard as we possibly can the entire <laughs> episode. And Because this, JoJo is really good. No, it is. And I, I'm it, not saying it, is. it isn't. But I, I think it's it, it opens grounds for greater discussion when we're not just gushing. So, I mean, it's just a fun action comedy that actually has a surprising amount of heart in it at times. And yeah, no, I mean, I get it. You kind of want the whole cinephile thing. And, and I, to some extent, I did too, but... I mean, that's literally the thing with... Jo that's literally Joe's thing. He goes out of his way to watch weird movies. And so, you know, like how we were talking about before with G Gundam, how, you know, Rain and how, how you know, oh, Alan B would make a awful girlfriend for Domon because the two of them basically are the same person personality-wise. You could see that, you know... Sylvia and Joe are two very different people. They complement each other well. Yeah. And they clearly care for each other. The problem is, though, is that they do nothing with that. It's just like, oh, well, here's not Bruce Willis. And he's doing the the tried and true red wire, blue wire thing. <laughs> he blew up. I mean, you know, honestly, one of the things that might have actually held back the show was. Oh, oh, oh hold on. Hold on. I do remember another one. Hmm. I do remember when they get the six Majin, they actually did. And I had to turn to Snack and I remember this. I'm like, is this a Field of Dreams reference? And he's like, <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it <laughs> is. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, I, I am sorry. I completely forgot about that because I was just kind of blown away by. That was just a very odd way to take <laughs> that. So. And, and like one of the things that might have held it back was the fact that they felt the need to adhere to the game in regards to where Sylvia was the entire time. Because this version of Sylvia is like a million times better than her in-game counterpart. In the games, she is just this unyielding, hateful woman. And she doesn't really seem to like Joe at all. And... In this, it's actually very clear that she does care about her boyfriend and that she does believe that, 
you know, weird goofball tendencies aside that he will do the right thing if pressed. Honestly, kind of sidestepping a bit of the game's plot and just having them both be henshin heroes out of the gate probably would have made the entire series more interesting. So what you're saying is it should have been a red hot rumble anime. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that definitely would have been a way. Of, it's a bit recursive, but yeah, no, that totally would have been a good way of doing it. I'm just saying, Cog, we, we're going to come over there, kidnap you. We're all going to play Brave Master. <laughs> red, hot red hot rumble and, also, and custom robo. Yes. Also, real talk time here. Real talk time here. This is going to be Titaku's hot take for this podcast. Smash Brothers sucks. Brave Master's the better party fighter. Save it for after hours. There, I said it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I said it. That's, that's, uh... <laughs> I'm immediately ignoring everything that just got said and going on to say the music in this series is awesome. Oh, yeah. The intro and everything I think is great. The, the, there is some fantastic guitar work. The fight theme in particular springs to mind. When that kicks on, it, it's really, really cool. Just the song itself, the guitar riff that it opens with, with da-da. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, that's a tingly feeling. I will also say I actually quite like how the the animation kind of captured, in a, a way, the cell shading of the games. I totally agree with you. Even the anime going back, this show still looks good. It's got that signature. Like, they really captured the look of Beautiful Joe, which has a very sort of unique kind of look to it with the character designs and everything. Yeah, they have the the large exaggerated heads and they have the very short arms and legs, but it works because the face is detailed and everything else tends to stay very simple. Also, and this is why Joe has to be so close to punch Also, <laughs> can we all take a moment to appreciate the fact that he has to shock a bra in order to transform? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I forgot. A fun bit about the dub for, for you trivia hungry people. Joe's actual Hinchin pose in the game involves an extended thumb, middle, and pinky finger. In the dubbing of the anime, they airbrush out his middle finger. So it's not like the middle finger is curled down. It's instead just missing and it just stops. And yet there are actually moments you can actually see this in episode like two or three when he's taunting Grand Bruce. He still has his middle fingers extended. So it's like I, I get I get the why it's still <laughs> yeah. And so so Snack's watching this like I don't know what he's doing. He's like he's Shaka Brawling guy. He's doing the surfer thing. I mean he is basically a surfer, <laughs> which does which does technically stay perfectly in character yeah. for him. Although let us be said that Alistair's transformation, Devil Trigger, I, I'm not sure. That just does not feel comfortable because he does the alternating fingers. Yeah. So he'll do the uh, the ring and the index. Yeah, it's actually kind of hard to do, to be honest. It's index, thumb, and uh, ring fingers. Like, I can't even put my middle finger down all the way. No, neither that. can I. It's it's it, That's even harder for me because I don't even <laughs> have hands. Maybe you're maybe you're the missing link. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm turning into a hipster. It's the snack with hands, and then the snack came out of the well, <laughs> and he started talking about video games at me. Da da da. You see, this is why Monster Hunter. <laughs> and then, and, and then <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy died because this is the way all creepy pastas go. No one knows why. Oh no, he's been a giant nerd man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Oh, I think it was a tragedy. I think I'm somewhere in the middle with this. I absolutely enjoyed the games along with these guys. The games were just a ton of fun. I have wonderful memories hanging out with Mr. Schneck playing through these games. There were just a lot great 
action platformer games. The show, I'm kind of, I actually kind of liked the beginning. I kind of like the beginning elements of how they paced the show where it was sort of like, okay, let's introduce Joe and then we're going to have him learn about his powers. And then, you know, it's, it's not all at once like, okay, here's all your powers and now just beat the bad guys and rinse, you know, rinse, lather, repeat. It's very much like, okay, let's introduce the villains. We get to learn kind of about Jado. And then it's somewhere, it's a little more into the middle that sort of felt like, okay, we're getting very episodic now. Once we kind of get all of those elements out of the way, once we've gotten through like the first round of beating the villains, the first go around is when there's a big chunk of episodes in the middle, which although, you know, have their fun moments, like Sneck has said, you could kind of watch them out of order. They're very episodic and it's just like little adventures of going to help a girl and, you know, with her parents or, and it's just a lot of kind of just Honestly, screwing I, around. I, and Honestly, I thought that that was when the series kind of picked up. It's like the one where they had the Face of Truth assassin or the Slagoon episode where it's just kind of those yeah. ones I think are better just because Blue Jr. once again gets to play a bigger role. And so it's not just Joe talking to himself like a crazy person. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't enjoy, you know, elements of those episodes. It was just the kind of you know, we've, we've, we've set up the plot and then the plot kind of stops and then it becomes this just singular story type thing up until we hit the end where, you know, at the end of season one, we encounter Captain Blue. He turns out to be, you know, the, the villain in hiding leading Jado. And unfortunately this show just kind of, yes, King, King Blue. Blue. I apologize. King Blue. <laughs> you know, I, I keep thinking of is like back off birdie. I'm like, wait, no, that's going on. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's different, know, completely different game adaptation. The one thing, well, let's actually talk about King Blue for a second since Cog brought it up. King Blue is actually handled a bit differently in the anime version versus how he is in the games. In the games, it's explained that after a while, superhero films stopped turning out customers. People would stop going to see them. And he fell into despair because his studio began falling on the decline. Uh-oh, that might be foreshadowing modern day I, I know, events. right? <laughs> it it kind of, yeah. No, I think Beautiful Joe may have been 20 years early. It was ahead of its time. Um, but in the anime, it takes a slightly different tack to it, where instead what actually upset Blue was the tonal shift between the good old days where heroes were heroes and villains were villains into the really the nineties, I guess is what broke the, the broke the camels back in this case where things became darker and edgier. And those were the movies that began booming at the box office and kind of leaving blue studio in the dust. And his response was like, well, fine, I'll, I'll make everything dark and edgy and I'll literally create a hero just so you can watch him fail. It actually takes on an incredibly different tone here. And I think both work. But again, the game might have been 20 years early to the party. Well, once again, I suppose that's true because, I mean, think about what modern comics are about now. It's all about uh, giant events where heroes fight other heroes. Yep. And you hardly ever see, like, supervillains being like, Now, Spider-Man, I'm going to blow up the ocean! <laughs> It's like, it's never that. It's, ha 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 ha, Spider-Man. I am now going to defeat you. 
I, Captain Iron Pants. <gasps> Captain Iron Pants? But you're a good guy. Not anymore, I'm not. Your politics are wrong, <laughs> Spider-Man. You can't be the emissary of hell. That's not inclusive Whoa. enough. <laughs> What about all those Buddhists? What about them, huh? They don't believe in hell. Yeah, so it's, it's both stories make sense, and I think they both work for a traditional hero becoming the traditional villain. And the last couple episodes kind of tie a lot of the episodic ones together by like having a lot of the characters that Joe has helped and interacted with cheering for him in a very excellent version of the Shonen monologue at the end, right before we get to see King Blue turn giant and Joe summon a giant robot and punch the ever-loving snot out of his mentor. Once again, just like Supida-Man. You know, we, we're going to have to watch Supida-Man here. That would be okay. a good one. And so like the series concludes with... Blue getting some sense knocked back into him and seeing that there's still validity in the good old fashioned hero, even if Joe is not really the tr truest sense of the traditional hero, he still had the, the heart of the traditional hero. And we see Sylvia get her own V-Watch and become a hero in her own right. Yeah, I was about to say, I think if I recall, the first season just kind of stops. The first season ends where the first game ends. And... Again, we get the foreshadowing of the encroaching enemy from Beautiful Joe 2, but we never got to get that here in the West, as I've said. So the series does kind of stop. Unfortunately, that's also true in the games, as as you beat Beautiful Joe 2, you're promised a third game. That never happened. Ah, but you see, something just happened about a month ago that actually kind of leads into this. Because Hideki Kamiya, who was the director and producer for Beautiful Joe, just revealed a trailer for, what is it, Project GG? Pro Project GG, yes. Yes, where if he, he, in his own words, he said, if Beautiful Joe is Kamen Rider and Wonderful 101, another series that he did with Platinum Games, is Super Sentai, Project GG is going to be the third of the holy trinity of tokusatsu heroes. My boy, Ultraman. <laughs> it looks great. Like even just the teaser looks like it's building up to incredible things. So Platinum it, and thereby Clover by extension is still going strong. It may be a shame that Joe never got a satisfying conclusion either in his games or in the anime. Uh, but all in all, I think the anime ends on, on a very high note, especially with Blue going through his redemption arc even if it involved, you know, some brute force trauma. <laughs> I mean, you know what? He he is in Clover Heaven now, and he's eating pizza with Dante and Gene and also petting Okami, <laughs> and it's all good. So it's okay. That is true. All in all, as I said, this the series is not a masterpiece, but it's an immensely entertaining. It's very fun. It's very family-friendly, as Cog said. I would give it an 8 out of 10. Mr. Jotaku? I'm not nearly as, once again, favorable. I think, once again, it has its good points. The animation's really good. As Cog said, it's a very distinctive style, and I think it has you know stood the test of time, and it does a very good job of emulating the way the games look. The characters, once again, it's very cool how they were able to translate some pretty weird designs into animation. Also, Sprocket... Mwah, <laughs> baby, you are beautiful. I'm just going to say that. 
but it is episodic is just not the way it should have been. It should have been way more tight in terms of the way the plot was. It should have been, it, it honestly should have been 26 episodes. As much as I liked a few of the middle episodes, it really should have had its, its episode count cut in half. And honestly, once again, the voice acting was not good. But, you know, at the same time, though, I I feel like that is a context of the time that it was brought over in. I'm going to say six out of ten. It's not bad. You could do way worse. But at the same time, are you, you know, worse for wear if you don't see it? Eh, probably not. That's where I stand. All right, Mr. Cog. And I'm going to say that... Again, like I said, I, I love Beautiful Joe. I love the games. I think the property itself is a kind of one of those cult classics you have to go dig up if you haven't. And I, I do think it kind of works in tandem with the games in a way. Like Snek mentioned, it does sort of flesh out in certain ways certain characters. Like we talked about, Alistair's a lot more entertaining at least for me in the anime with his oh he has a lot more character yeah yeah he's got like way more character and then you get a lot more with sylvia and you get to see a lot of the characters from the game kind of fleshed out a lot more so there there are those elements that you don't necessarily get from the games the anime again the artwork i think it the show still looks good it's silly it's fun it's fun to watch with kids like dataku said though it's it's not perfect the episodic nature of it, you can skip around a lot. I do like a lot of the music. Overall, for me, I'm going to have to put this one it's right in the middle of these two guys. I'm going to go about a seven, seven out of ten. <laughs> wow, I, I suspected that might be the case. You seem to, you seem to be the fence sitter on this one. So, no, again, I think that makes the conversation more lively. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I suppose that's true. T- taste will always just be that unquantifiable separator of the three of us. But again, that's what makes each of us, you know, that's what makes each of us special. It's so special. Oh, ooh, ooh. That, that's, so, that's so nice. <laughs> just like everyone else. <laughs> oh, oh, there you had to ruin ooh, it. There. Oh, ooh. You had to ruin it. There's, there's, our, there's our wet blanket for the evening. Oh, <laughs> oh but wait, wait, Snack, is it time? It's is time. it time? Oh, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a important time. You see, we have already done the roulette for this. We are going to do "Do You Love Your Mom?" Enter two seven-hit multi-target noble phantasm. Who can actually say the name? Who can actually say the full title? It's Okasan Online. Okay, it's Okasan Online. <laughs> do what? you love your mom and her two-hit multi-target attacks? Do yes, you love your one. Do you love your mom and her seven-hit? Mo- multi-target noble phantasm i mean what uh, <laughs> that's fate grand order yes, this was another <laughs> yes. win for another win for mr Snack. but but we because of the because of the fact that cog has never gotten because of the fact that cog has never gotten a successful hit we have decided on this Oh, we'll do that. How about we do that for the after we do the next episode? Okay, but next okay. time you get to look forward to Sun Death Round Cog Roulette. Yes. Cog gets to pick five series, and then we have the extra actual bullets, which is going to be random. 
So look forward to that next time, ladies this, and gentlemen. This is all because I have the luck of the Irish, unfortunately. Yeah, you have <laughs> you have luck e, just like a hole in. Whereas Mr. Sneck, as I recall, has gotten like three in a row now with between Log Horizon. Uh, Log Horizon was a random Joe. choice. Oh, Log Horizon was actually, a van- You're right. That's yeah, surprisingly me. enough, I did not actually pick Log Horizon. I've only had two in a row. So he got this one, Beautiful Joe, and now our next show. So Sneck's been on a roll, and he won the first one. I'm going to keep a running tally on the website. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I'm half Irish, Cog, and yet I don't seem to have the problems you do. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I think I got one, maybe. Well, I don't remember. I, I'm going to be pulling out some shows, so we'll, we'll see what I come up with. We, we realized that the only time Kaga's had one so far was by default. Yes. There was literally no way it couldn't happen. <laughs> so we that's when Mr. Snack and I decided to throw him a bone, so to speak, and... We're going to do the cog roulette. He gets to pick five shows, and, and then, then there's going to be the one random choice, which is going to be the bullet. And so, if we roll a six, I'm just going to shrug and be like, I'm sorry, cog, but the universe <laughs> hates you in particular. Apparently. Yeah. Is that everything, guys? Oh, favorite character of JoJo? Did anybody have a favorite character? Yeah, no, actually, I would actually go with Sylvia. Part of that is a matter of comparison because she is like so much sweeter in this version than her game counterpart. And she actually cares and she's very proactive and she takes the risks of trying to find out what's going on behind the scenes before anyone else gets around to doing so. She's much more proactive. She's much more likable. And she's just this very sweet kind of goofy girl in her own right who very clearly loves her boyfriend. And that's why my vote is for Sylvia. I might be kind of in the Dotaku camp here, but my favorite character is Sprocket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So so why do you like Miss Sprocket there, Cog? I mean, apart from the she's, obvious she's, she's best girl in this series. <laughs> okay. Oh, is that why? All right. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to say Sprocket as well, because to be perfectly honest, I mean, apart from being delicious, she is, she's just lovely on the eyes. She also is probably the most meta character to the point that she actually even goes and points out after certain episodes that the three main villains are just utter buffoons. <laughs> and so she kind of leans into the, the meta humor that the games really like to revel in, perhaps the most. Also, the fact that I have many fond memories of just thrashing the snot out of Snack <laughs> using her in Red Hot Rumble. So, because I'd play as Joe and I'd have to deal with a stand user. <laughs> oh, you just get you don't like having just an infinite number of Bianchis thrown at you? <laughs> yeah, that's a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's what those guys, the random like camera head guys are called, by the way. They're called Bianchis. I don't think the show ever actually mentions that. Joe mentions that in like episode two, but it's just like the one time. So yeah, so he just got an infinite kiki, kiki, kiki. <laughs> and it was really funny for me. I don't think it was really funny for Snack. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we need to cover? No, I I, I've it. said my piece. I said my piece. So I'm All right. All right. So look forward to your mom in the next episode. <laughs> and also Cog Roulette, but more important. <laughs> and Cog Roulette. And more important, your mom. Okay, so. <laughs> Thank you, I, it's actually really, It's actually really good. Yeah, all right. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast. Produced and recorded by The Hipster Snack, Ditaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor Brown with Cog Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor Brown with Costas Voss of Core Inside Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time. everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tomodachi Bros Anime Podcast. I'm one of the co-founders and co-hosts of the podcast, The Hipster Snack. If you want more content from me, I have my own YouTube channel, The Hipster Snack. Links will be available everywhere I can spam it up until I get a custom one, but all in due time. I do weekly game reviews, and in the future, probably more than that. Look forward to it, and I'll see you there and on Twitter, at Hipster Snack. See ya!